Welcome to Rock Bible Church, and uh, it's good to have you, and, and thanks for being here at the Christmas holiday season. Amen. We are continuing our series in The Earth Stood Still, a Christmas song series. We're going through a different carol every week, finding out about its origin, the meaning behind it, and uh, scripturally, where do we find it? Last week, we did O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, and had a great time with that. This morning... We are doing Good King Wenceslas. I just feel like I need to say that with a little bit of lisp or something. It's more fun. It's more fun. I'm a big kid. Uh, we're going to get going on that right quick, as they say in the South. But first, we're going to pray. Lord, thank you for this morning. And thank you for this season. Thank you that we do have much to sing about and for and to rejoice and thank you for the reminder of meaning behind the holiday, behind the songs, uh, really, Lord, behind us, our foundation, what pushes us forward, what you were doing long before us, what you will do long after us, and what you are doing now. May we be reminded you are a God of this Christmas as much as you were the first. And that you are alive and active and you're not done yet. So I pray, Lord, you would, you would show us what we need to see for this year, this time. And meet each of us individually here. We pray this in your son, Jesus' name. Amen. I was trying to figure out what we would do for Christmas, we take a break from our Matthew series and during Advent, the four Sundays leading up to Christmas and Christmas Eve itself, we like to do a little series. Last year, we did the road to, De to Bethlehem, and we, we followed the different prophecies of what brought us up to, showed you some of the obscure passages that we don't always cover at Christmas. We took five sermons to go through that, and we had a lot of fun. I was thinking about it this year, and I was talking to Bryce. What should we do? It's kind of good when the preacher and the worship leader like cooperate, right? And so we're trying to think about what we're going to do, and we we came up with this idea: let's let's hit Christmas carols. People love Christmas carols. Let's hit some Christmas carols. And he says, "Oh yeah, then we can do Good King Wenceslas." And I said, "Gazuntite." <laughs> what is that? What is a what is a Wenceslas? It's like, oh, you you know this song, right? Like I was supposed to know. I thought to myself, never heard that song before in my life. What are we going to do? Because he really wants to do it. I'm going to have to research this thing I know nothing about. Then he played it for me. It's like, oh, I've, I've heard that song a hundred times every Christmas season I've ever been alive. In a department store, in the drive-thru, uh, everywhere I go. Radio station. I just didn't realize that's what it was called. The tune is very familiar. I'm going to make you wait quite a while to hear it, another 20 minutes or so, but it's a great, great story. Uh, it's a different song than most. Most songs, you have like a, a verse, and then you have a chorus that you repeat, and then your verse, and then a chorus that you repeat. This is just a poem. It's a poem that was written and uh, put together. There is no repetition. Now, there's some rhyming, but instead of listening to it 
with music, I want to read to you just the lyric, because it's a story, really, about a king and a page, and the king sees a peasant in the distance, and I want you to catch the theme of what's going on here. Uh, Generally, in the Bible, when you have a parable, and there's a king and another character, we always assume that God's in the parable somewhere, and we always assume that we're in the parable somewhere. Between God and the page, any ge- or the king and the page, any guesses on who God is? Good guess. Page is us. The peasant is a third person referenced, but never addressed. Okay? So, uh, good King Wenceslas, look out on the feast of Stephen. When the snow lay round about, deep and crisp and even, brightly shone the moon that night, though the frost was cruel, when a poor man came in sight, gathering winter fuel. And here's the king speaking now to the page. Hither, page, and stand by me, if you know it, telling. Yonder peasant, who is he? Where and what his dwelling? Sire, he lives a good league hence, underneath the mountain right against the forest fence by St. Agnes's fountain. The king again. Bring me food and bring me wine. Bring me pine logs hither. You and I will see him dine when we bear them thither. Page and monarch, forth they went. Forth they went together through the cold wind's wild lament and the bitter weather. Sire, the night is darker now. And the wind blows stronger. Fails my heart. I know not how. I can go no longer. Mark my footsteps, my good page. Tread now in them boldly. You shall find the winter's rage freeze your blood less coldly. In his master's steps he trod, where the snow lay dinted. Heat was in the very sod which the saint had printed. Therefore, Christian men, be sure while God's gifts possessing. You who know, uh, you who now will bless the poor, shall yourselves find blessing. Amen. What a fun little story. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is great. This will totally preach. What's the psalm? Uh, you're going to love it. Uh, but I want you to get a little background information on good King Wenceslas. Uh, it was ru- written for the Feast of St. Stephen. It's actually in the first line of the poem, uh, or what others re- earlier referred to as the Boxing Day. Right? You're familiar with Boxing Day? What's Boxing Day now? Day it's shopping, no. right? Now, we've kind of lost uh, that day in a lot of ways, and they probably still call it Boxing Day or St. Stephen's Day uh, in England. Um, But there's no mention of the nativity. So how is it a Christmas song? It's the Christmas spirit behind it, right? Uh, Wenceslas was an actual duke. He was a Catholic duke of Bohemia, and he was known as Valclave the Good. It's kind of a fun name. Uh, He was martyred assassinated by his brother 
How bad is that? What a great name, though. If you're going to assassinate someone and be a wicked brother, your name should be Boleslaw the Bad. A horrible name. Uh, Wenceslas, uh, his remains are, uh, are kept in St. Vitus's Cathedral in Prague. Judy's been there, right? Yeah. And, uh, and he was recently named uh, the Saint of the Czech Republic. His saint's day is September 28th. He was an actual person. Uh, the verse, the story, was written by John Mason Neal. Fancy that. Fancy that why? Because you remember John Mason Neal, don't you? Don't you? I want you to think back like exactly seven days. Oh, come, oh, come, Emmanuel was written by John Mason Neal. John Mason Neal, he wrote O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. He also wrote Good King Wenceslas. Now, they were, they were uh, published like three years apart, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel, 1850. Good King Wenceslas came out three years later, 1853. Uh, but have a little fun this Christmas, today after church or sometime this week. Go into your browser and type in John with an H, because all good people do. Uh, Mason, <laughs> M-A-S-O-N. And then Neil, N-E-A-L, and add an E, John Mason Neil. And then look at the list of all the different uh, uh, carols uh, and just uh, great hymns that he'd written. Uh, tremendous writer. So kind of fun. I was, I was a little panicked because I was looking up and reading this. And John Mason Neil, it's like, oh, no, last week I gave them the information on John Mason Neil. For O O O Come O Come Emmanuel, which was really supposed to be Good King Wenceslas, they started researching a little bit farther. It's like, oh no, he wrote them both. <laughs> he had a little moment of pastor panic right there, like when you misreference something. It's like one of your greatest fears. Like you say something and find out that it was wrong later. Um, but although it was written for Boxing Day or or uh, Saint Stephen's Day, um, he he wrote this. Uh, to the tune of Tempus Adust Floridum. And it comes from the Piai Cantiones, published in 1582. I love that because he uh, takes, John Mason Neal takes two things very far apart uh, and brings them together uh, to give a picture of who God is for other people. Um, could you do that? I don't mean a verse and music, but uh, could you take some things that maybe are far apart and bring them together and use them to show a picture of who God is to someone else? Uh, you absolutely could. Absolutely could. And, and it's been the history of the church that it always has. So it's kind of fun for uh, Mr. Neal to give us this. Um, and it's thought to be originally from, from Scandinavian descent or origin. Uh, but that's good King Wenceslas. And I want us to take a look uh, at John chapter 15. John chapter 15 is, um, uh, is a very similar theme to the theme of this, this story. And I want to fly through it because then I want to show you what Jesus is referencing in John chapter 15. Namely, Leviticus 19. So, uh, so we're going to fly. Put on your wings. Here we go. John chapter 15, verse 10. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be full. Verse 12. This is my commandment, 
little rabbit trail. I just want to have some fun with this for just a second, and then we'll move on. Uh, who's the only person that's allowed to give commandments? So what is Jesus calling himself here? All right, little hints throughout Scripture that we, where we get this right. Okay, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. You can hear kind of the theme of the king saying, hey, we're going to go work on that peasant. So Paige, you come with me. We're going to go. I'm going to show you the example, and you're going to do it too. Greater love has no man than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Verse 14, you are my friends if you do what I command you. Uh, what's, what's the truth that he says? There's no greater love than someone who lays down his life for my friends. And then he says, you're my friends. Is that a prediction? Promise? Kind of fun? If you do what I command you. And one of my favorite parts about being a pastor is helping to explain the idea uh, that acceptance and belief is not enough. There's supposed to be obedience that goes with it. It's a combo meal which is awesome because it means you get a full meal rather than just one item. No longer do I call you servants for the servant does not know what his master is doing, but I have called you friends for all that I have heard from my father. I have made known to you kind of great. Isn't that a great deal? Not just a servant where you get commands and you just got to obey. No, I get to know I get to be involved. Now, there's something that's going to come with that in a second, right? You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should abide so that whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give it to you. These things I command you so that you will love one another. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Amen? Uh, what's the point? Our neighbor, be it the poor, be it a peasant, be them in your life is the most important variable. Not who they are, but that you're around, they're around, you have access, and you have an opportunity. And it's a great little theme, right? Uh, Jesus is actually teaching here in, in John chapter 15, and, and he's actually borrowing from what he taught and gave us earlier in Leviticus chapter 19, actually. He's quoting uh, Levitical law. And watch what he says. I think we have it on the screen, actually. Uh, when you reap the harvest of your land. Are any of you reapers? No, you don't have, uh, you don't have produce in the field? No? Okay, then you're going to have to take this thematically. Right? When you reap the harvest in your land, you shall not reap your field right up to its edge. What's that mean? You're going to leave the trees on the outskirts alone? You're not going to take all the olives? Neither shall you gather the gleanings after your harvest. What's the gleanings? You're working in the harvest and stuff falls by the wayside, falls out of the buckets, falls off the cart, whatever, falls on the side of the tree. Just leave it there. You shall not strip your vineyard bare, neither shall you gather the fallen grapes of your vineyard. Boy, they had a lot of rough rules, very strict. Can't, you dropped a grape? Grapes are great. Even one grape has value, doesn't it? Have you ever just taken one grape? They're wonderful. You drop it on the floor, you can't pick it up. You broke the Levitical law. Isn't that rough? Not if you think about it this way. You shall leave them for the poor. 
and for the sojourner. I am the Lord your God. Um, what's that tell us about trespassing? Whoa. We're not going to touch the trees on the perimeter of the field. Why? Because we're going to let the poor and those who really need it, those who are traveling, we're going to let them come and we're gonna, they're going to take from your trees. <gasps> That's not fair. And you're not going to leave the ones in the middle of the field. Why? Because then they'd have to travel in and teach them a lesson they have to work for. Is God trying to teach them a lesson? No, we're going to make it easy for them to get to the trees on the, on, the, on the outside. And the stuff that's left on the ground, you're not going to touch it because you're going to leave that for them to get. Because we care about the poor. We care about other people's, not just your return. Kind of interesting how fixated we are in today's culture with the return on our investments. As if that's really important. Sometimes it is. But many times it's not. Unless you're thinking about your investment as greater than just yourself. My, my investment is in the community. How do I be a community that serves the greater community, not just my own household? What a great example, and you can hear King Wenceslas in that. Hey, who's that guy? Get me meat, get me wine, grab some pine logs, and we're going to go over to the guy that lives next to the forest. Why are you bringing wood to the guy that lives next to the forest? Is that redundant or a little bit weird? Because we're bringing, we're bringing everything for the party. We're not going to force them to bring something to the table. We're going to cover everything. That's really pretty cool. All right? uh, and then what's God's proof for this? That you should do this for the poor and the sojourner? I am the Lord your God. <laughs> it's kind of like my house when I was growing up. Because I'm the dad. <laughs> That's, I heard that one regularly. Right. So this one makes very good sense to me. Uh, let's look at the, ne the next little section from Leviticus. You shall not oppress your neighbor or rob him. The wages of a hired servant shall not remain with you an, uh, all night until the morning. And you shall not curse the deaf or put a stumbling block before the blind. But you shall fear your God. I am the Lord. How you treat the deaf and the blind should affect whether you're afraid of God. That's a fun way to say it. Makes you think about it differently. Why? I am the Lord. <laughs> Love that. Verse 17. You shall not hate your brother in your heart, but you shall reason frankly with your neighbor, lest you ensure in, uh, incur sin because of him. Uh, and you know what's probably at the end of that section if we kept going? I am the Lord your God, or something like that, right? I Look, this is you're getting the, wor the rules from on high. How ironic that this concept trying to be taught in Leviticus, quoted by Jesus in John 15, and then written down in a poem by, a good King Wen by, by John Mason Neal about good King Wenceslas to get that concept across of how you're supposed to treat your neighbor comes from the same passage where it says don't hate your brother, and that's the guy that got martyred and assassinated by his brother. Ironic, coincidental, or fascinatingly complicated and you can't make this stuff up. For me, it's proof that there is a God. Amen? 
Uh, these are two passages for this morning, and I, I think uh, it helps us understand what, what we're trying to learn from the good king. What, what does good king Wenceslas teach us? One, he teaches us to look for and love our neighbors. It's not the page who says, hey, king, you got a lot of resources. You know, I know this guy. He lives over by the forest. He could really use our help, your help. No, the king, who probably has plenty of things to do, he says, I see that guy. Paige, come here. Who's that guy? He has the ability to see the neighbor, see the need, see the poor, see the peasant, and now let's go do something about it. Let's love him. Uh, why, does he, why does he call the page? Because he needs help carrying the pine logs? No, the king is trying to teach the page to see as well. It's not just about labor. It's about changing the mental process of what's going on in, his, in, in the head, right? Secondly, good King Wenceslas shows us to step in the king's footsteps, footprints. It's cold. It's longer than I thought. I'm tired. And what does he say? I can go no longer. Is that a definitive completed statement he didn't say I'm not sure I can go no longer he says I can go no longer what's the king saying nope step in my footsteps they'll be warmer than what you've been stepping in and it'll be easier I will make it easier for you but we are going this is what we do you know Christmas is a great time of year isn't it Lights and candles and gifts and songs and the radio's playing good music all while we're cussing out our neighbor for stealing our parking space. You know, half of Christmas is what happened with Jesus for us. You know, half of Christmas is the change in us that allows us to start seeing and loving and acting like God. And half of Christmas is what's yet to happen is going in front of us. That's why it's a great song for Christmas, even though baby Jesus isn't there and there's no drummer boy. It's a great little story. Because we have to learn how to walk like him. Lastly, good King Wenceslas promises God's joy. Promises God's joy. Joy, where's the joy? He said it was cold. He was tired. He could go no. Sounds pretty miserable to me. Remember the last line? I'm sure you don't, because I'm sure you don't have it memorized. Many of you are like first service. When we start playing the tune, you're all going to go, oh, yeah, now I remember. You're still not sure what we're talking about. But the last line says this, therefore, Christian men, be sure, while God's gifts possessing, you who now will bless the poor, the poor shall yourselves find blessing. You're not going to get what you want right now. You're going to work at it right now. But there's going to be a delayed gratification later. You know, Plato, Aristotle, Socrates, they started coming up with wisdom phrases. You know one of the things they talked about? The ability to delay gratification as a sign of maturity and wisdom. 
and the, the, uh, the, di the difference between those that are developed and those that are yet to develop. We've got work to do. And there will be joy. But sometimes joy is going to come, and here's one of my favorite words. I say that with sarcasm. Joy is going to come later. Don't you hate that word? Hey, when do we get to open gifts? Later. I don't even like saying it to my kids now when I know it's the right thing to say. And we've got to do dinner and the whole thing. Gifts are later. It feels so rough. Hey, when am I going to get that job? Later. When am I going to reconcile? Later. Yeah, there's work to do until we get to later. That's okay. God promises us joy. Good experience. Holidays are coming. Are you looking forward to the food? We're going to show of hands here. It's not symbolic. I actually want to see hands. And don't do first service. Okay, this is first service. This is second service. Okay. Uh, how many people are involved with the uh, processing of the meal during the holidays at your house or somebody else's? Right. Good hand. Right. Okay. Good for you. Good for you. Yes. Some of you two hands up. Right. I, I learned long ago, get involved, right? And I'm becoming more and more of a foodie, okay? It's an addiction, I think. But you know, there, there's the chopping and the cutting and the prepping and the sorting and the mixing and the cooking and the, right? It's the seasoning. You make a mess? Yeah, do you get dirty? You're in the only part of the house that's too hot. Yeah. And you got to clean up. But, but no worries, because it only takes about two minutes to do all of that, right? <laughs> You'd be lucky if it, if it took you two hours. But when the food's ready and it's on the table, oh, is there a better time? Skip the presents. I'm at the point where, you know what? Skip the presents. Let's just eat with the family, Right? Forced family fun time. No gifts for you. We're going to eat creamed corn for an hour. You know, whatever. Uh, which I love, creamed corn. Okay. There's something about we got to put in the work in order to enjoy later. And that's okay. And that's okay. But for some of us, we need to change our mindset. And I loved, I loved what Bryce prayed this morning. And I asked him to pray at second service because in first service I was standing in the back and I'm having this great Christmas experience. We're singing carols and everybody, it was wonderful. And then Bryce goes to pray. He prays about the things that go through our head. And he said this, he said, God, it's a long journey from what you say about us to what goes through our head. It's a long journey from what you say it about us to what goes through our head. Bryce Turner, uh, December 9th, 2018, first service prayer. I wrote it all down. I'm sitting in the back and I'm thinking to myself, oh, that's so true. At the same time, I was having a moment because I was thinking, that's not true at all. See, I'm starting to believe the things you said about me. 
and I'm starting to let what he said about me change what's going through my head. The painful part about that prayer is he says there's a long distance between. It need not be, folks. It need not be a long distance between the king and the peasant if you just start walking. I have never, ever been able to have somebody say, change your thinking or feel better. And then I flip a switch and my thinking is changed and my emotions are all fixed. Has anybody else had that experience? Liars. <laughs> Except for you, ma'am. Right? Uh, here's what I have experienced most times. When I just start on the journey. When I just start being obedient. When I just start trying it. Doing it. My actions force my head and what's going through my head to spin and twist and get back and get closer to what he says about me. It's not about believing it or thinking it. You got to actually start doing it because in the doing of loving our neighbor and providing for others and caring about what's important that we start to get our mind and our head straight. All of a sudden there's not a big distance. They're close to each other. What, what would it be like if you thought in your head very closely to what God says about you? You know what you would miss out on? You would miss out on later. Remember that dirty word I was talking about earlier? Later? It would no longer be later because you ch you're changing your, fi your thinking, you're fixing your thinking, you're being obedient, you're getting much closer to what he says about you and you're ready for next. Later becomes next when you start acting on what God calls us to do. And when Christmas becomes more than just gift and the whole thing, but more about, hey, uh, this is where we stand before God and this is where others stand before God, distance or not, I will be involved. That's when you get your second service extra. Ready for second service extra? The good Dr. John Tompkins was here during first service with his uh, surgically repaired shoulder, which is going very well, by the way. Thank you for those that prayed for him. He came up after second service, says, you know, studies have showed that when you go out and you do something for someone else, there is no distance between what God says about you and what you think in your head. They're smack dab in the middle and something happens in your brain and good chemistry happens instantaneously. Dopamine and some of those great drugs that we get addicted to in the wrong ways actually start getting produced in your brain instantaneously. That's joy, folks. That's promising joy. They took college students, they gave them money. Said, you take this amount of money, you're going to go spend it on yourself. You're going to take the same amount of money, you go spend it on somebody else. They did post-spending surveys on how to go. Spending the money on somebody else kicked tail over spending money on themselves. That's why we're here. Merry Christmas. From Good King Wenceslas. You want to sing? Let's pray and take the offering and then we can. Lord, thanks. Thanks it's not just about us. Uh, Lord, thanks that in some ways it's not just about you, but it is about our neighbors. It's about others. It's about the lost. 
It's about you changing our thinking. Give us a shot of walking in your footsteps. And so, Lord, allow us to celebrate. Uh, allow us to sing loud, do presents, eat a lot, do the candles and the lights and, and party. But may our actions bear your likeness that others might see and be blessed. Help us to be the ones that carry the meat and the wine and the pine logs. And we thank you, Lord, that you would use this offering to help us do some of that as a church. So we pray that you would bless this offering in your son Jesus' name. Amen.